Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Marglin. And I'm Chris Marglin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey, how are you doing, Todd? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you doing, Christopher? Doing all right. Excellent. Oh, thanks for taking the time to hang out with me for a little bit today. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. I always love talking shop. I always like to start things off by saying, I know who you are, but our audience may not know you. If you were to give the elevator pitch of yourself, who are you? My name is Todd Dillard. I'm a poet who writes a lot about family and love and grief. And my first book, Ways We Vanish, came out in 2020 from OK Donkey Press. It was the finalist for the Balconist Poetry Prize. And uh, it's been doing really well. People seem to like it. It's mainly about, I mean, it's about some heavy stuff. It's its about <laughs> being a father for the first time and dealing with a mother who, uh, who are dealing with a mother's passing and the complicated metabolizing of grief, I guess, resulting from, you know, how does one feel about a mother who passes who also had a complicated motherhood, right. you know, she was addicted to pain medication. And there was a lot of complications and turmoil that resulted from that that I wasn't able to deal with as a child and that I really wasn't able to process uh, until an adult and partially through the writing of the book. But anyways, that's, yeah, I guess <laughs> really that's a, that elevator's not going up. It's going down. You um, know, I, <laughs> I, I can at least attest to how good Ways We Vanish is. I do love it. I think you're right. It, it's a good way to look at, at those relationships, uh, how to tackle relationships that you weren't ever quite sure mm-hmm. if you're supposed to tackle when you're a kid. Right. Right. I think think that's one way to put it. Like we're never sure if we're supposed to tackle those types of things. Right. I, first off, thank you so much. I really appreciate anybody reading any one of my poems, uh, much less (laughs) reading my whole book. It's, that's a tremendous feeling to hold when interacting with someone. So if I blush, if I stutter, it's, uh, (laughs) it's just, just, I'm I'm overwhelmed, but thank you. No, it's great. It's great work. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to kind of like to put into words. And maybe that's why I used a whole book to sort of describe it or describe (laughs) around it. But yeah, there's certainly an element to parenting and processing things that before you could process them, you have to give yourself permission to to process them in a way. And one of the things I wanted to do in the book is sort of have this bifurcation of the mother and the son characters and, and what went on there. And then the son becoming a father and permitting himself to feel these things and see these things in ways that he didn't anticipate and that hopefully led him into a better life. My life. Awesome. I, I love it. Yeah. So maybe it did. Well, that's, <laughs> that's good. We, I like right, right. That. <laughs> things are great. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's a good spot to start kind of with the first question of what are your passions when it comes to, you know, poetry and literature, what are your passions uh, in that world? You know, it's really funny because I, I prep, Whenever I have these interviews uh, and these podcasts and stuff, I sort of take whatever I'm given and I prep and I write things down and they're my notes. And uh, it was interesting to be arrested with the first question because what am I passionate about? And then, but also like, just because given where we are now, 
what is passion during year two of COVID-19? And I didn't have an immediate broader answer. But then I thought, you know what? I have my friend Nina Polari, who is a fantastic poet. She has a new book coming out. And I'm certainly passionate about that. And that realization opened me up to, wait a minute, well, the thing I am passionate about is that I think we are in this really sort of neat space right now with contemporary poetry and just a whole, you know, array of amazing younger poets or poets generating new work. And and that is always thrilling. I'm sure anybody who's on social media, when they see like a Taylor Bias poem pop up, like it is, (laughs) it is an event. It is like a 4th of July on the timeline. But there's like tons of other poets too. Like my buddy Ben Klein, he's been working on full manuscripts and he's got chapbooks out and stuff and he's generating a lot of work. Heck, he and I almost email every day, new poems and stuff that he's working on. So, or my friend like Cindy, Cindy Randall, my friend Maddie Corley, like I have a lot of amazing poets that I work with who inspire me. And uh, I feel very passionate about that type of work nice. and that type of thing going on. So I guess that, and then I'm you know, on the flip side of it, I'm also relearning the slow read. I think it's mm. something that I um, I appreciated when I was getting my MFA, like the time it takes to go through a book or a single book or something like that. And I sort of lost the ability to read being a, a dad working from home full time with a kid who was home full time. And like yep. for the past year and a half, uh, it's been tough. And so I had to put aside the way I processed and the way I read before and relearn now how to read slowly. And like, I'm reading Rilke slowly for the first time. And uh, it's fantastic. It's wow. a tre- what, a, what, a, what a tremendous thing, right? But like, right. you know, <laughs> usually I feel like maybe maybe this is not for everybody, but if I was assigned Rilke in class, I would read Rilke really quick. And then I would read him again to put whatever notes I had, and then we would discuss them and then yeah. we would move on, right? But, you know, he's a poet worth reading slowly. So I've, uh, I'm starting to become and develop a passion for that too. But I think it's interesting because you wear two hats, obviously your work with Baron as an editor as well, you know, you tend to read quickly with passion. Right. And I think right. that's, it's definitely, a, there's a, a niche talent to that. I think mm-hmm. where, you know, you don't want to, you want to give everybody's work the, you know, the best read, mm-hmm. but you do have to read it with at least a speed that you can get to the next piece. Right. And there's certainly, there is Reading for a journal is definitely way different than reading for a journal. Oh, yeah. And honestly, my favorite reading for a journal happens when everyone disagrees. Yes. <laughs> like that's really when the sleeves are up and you're in the soup. Like, you're just, like, really going at it. And Or if you're not going at it, you have a private DM with the one person who agrees with you. Yes. <laughs> and, and that is amazing. <laughs> that is, like... I don't know. I, I think that's the feeling people have when their horoscopes align in the right way. You're like, yes, so, this is this so is what you're saying is if your <laughs> cell phone ever gets stolen by the uh, poetry Twitter world, we are all in trouble. I, yeah, <laughs> basically, uh, whoever's out there who can do this, please don't hack me. <laughs> God bless the the DMs and the chats, though. Like, oh, I, yeah. I certainly. You know, that's like just pure joy. But yeah, I definitely, it's, it's been tough. So the last time I read for a lit mag was Pebble Lake Review run by my friend Amanda Ochter and out of like when she and I were undergrads at University of Houston. And that was a great mag. And, you know, but that was also like paper submissions. I was also occasionally oh, wow. reading for Gulf Coast then too. But like, that was just like, you have your cup of coffee, you have a cup of beers, you're sitting, you know, in someone's living room or you're sitting in like someone's borrowed office and you're just going <laughs> through like paper. It was really tactile and fun. The whole, like, here's this, you know, 
1,000 line <laughs> spreadsheet of right. the submissions that we've gotten in the last four minutes. how do we we find time for those and i think the question or the the answer there is what sticks out and what brings delight which is i think something that i've brought to my own poetry i do think there's a lot of well-crafted poems that we get at baron and but then there's those poems that they do something or they bring this element of something that you can't skip you can't move past it also like and speaking of reading for Baron, I, when I do read for Baron, I've been taking a little bit of a break because I just had my wife and I just had a, a son, but I'll right. be back for this this reading period. So if you're you're if this is October, right. <laughs> and you're hearing this now. Yeah. I'll, I'll be reading again. <laughs> <laughs> Please submit. Baron's a great journal, but yeah, going back to sort of that moment of delight, like there's just something about a poem that surprises you that, in a good way, that makes you question like everything, and that's sort of. Um, that's sort of what I look when I read for Baron. It's just like not a poem that I can read and be like, okay, this is a good poem, but a poem that I can read and I have to take a break, you know? And that's sort of the delight I'm looking for is something arresting. Nice. um, If that makes sense. No, it does. And I think all of that kind of brings us neatly into the next idea of what is your process then when you're writing, do you have any like weird superstitions or rituals or, or (laughs) things, uh, things that have to go on? Like, you know, Uh, 14 candles in the background have to be lit and you have to be viewing a sitting (laughs) sitting Northeast, uh, you know, just at the right, just the right moment. You know, I have to just to go just straight off the gate, just say I used to have this process and it's dead now, but like I would wait at the bus stop and for anywhere from five minutes to half an hour and I would have my phone out and I'd be tapping away. Then I'd get on the bus and I would read and, and then I'd you know do the same thing, tap away my phone and, and be drafting in my notes app or my you know Google Docs app. And that was sort of my process for years. In fact, that's how I wrote Ways We Vanish was more or less, I took my phone, I wrote poems on my phone. I would get to work. I would email them to my beta readers. They would be like, this part sucks, but this part's redeemable. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would read those emails during my lunch break and I would try to tweak what I could. And I'd send the new drafts during my lunch break. And hopefully I would get feedback by the time I was commuting home. If not, I would just re- read that feedback on my commute back to work. And I would do that five days a week. Uh-huh. And that way I would cobble together about four hours a day focused on writing and it all occurred in this beautifully packaged like public transit space or I'm eating like a salad in front of my work computer space. That's all gone now. (laughs) So right now my process is much more reactionary. Like effectively I, you know, I go to bed and then it's sort of like the surrealists, like Dolly with his spoon. Do you, did you hear Mm -hmm. about this? You know about this? Yeah. So for those listening, Dolly would have a big fat spoon in his hand as he was falling asleep. And then uh, when he fell asleep, he would drop the spoon and I think the noise will come up Mm -hmm. and he would get his ideas and start painting from there and stuff. And that's, I do the same thing by accident, but I more or less, I'm just writing trash in my notes app. (laughs) I fall asleep with my, I don't wake up. Like after I write the trash, I go to sleep. I'm in that weird liminal space between sleeping and waking. And then uh, I wake up the next morning and uh, before I get to work, I um, translate that mess. And I go from like the, the creating and sort of this weird, raw, strange terrain into meaning making. And I try to translate what I was writing and thinking the night before into something redeemable in the morning. Most of the time it doesn't work, but you know, I've been able to do that. I would say one out of every 10 or 12 notes lately. Nice. And, and I've been able to build poems from there. 
but the process of like also taking that, refining it, putting it into a Word doc or a PDF, sending it off, trying to get published and stuff like that, more or less gone. I've submitted 12 times this year. And, uh, you know, this time, two years ago, I was submitting 20 times, you know. Do you think it's more just, is it more selectivity when it comes to where you're submitting or what, what do you think is the change? I mean, I think the biggest change is that I'm working from home now and I, my laptop is just a really terrible MacBook Pro. <laughs> I mean, it's not terrible. I love it, but <laughs> it is just a few years out from being able to get a driver's license. And so I don't have Word on it. I don't have any like writing programs on it. So right. I'm basically exporting PDFs from the old version of Google Docs because I don't even have the updated latest browser. And like when you export things, uh, all the line breaks and all the adjustments aren't there. And it's just just a big hassle. So part of it is that. It could be, uh, you you could just call it like Google added poetry. uh, That's right. If if you're failing, just make it a thing. (laughs) Then you're not failing. Those line breaks mean something. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I hope this isn't being visually recorded. I have these like these glasses that make my blue light, but um, it's all right. We're going to keep the, uh, the visual side of this to the DMS between friends on Twitter. Appreciate (laughs) it. No, uh, so going back, no, I'm not actually more selective. I think I've been published in some amazing journals and I don't read as many journals as I can submit to, but I also mm. don't believe really in submitting to journals you don't read. So I'm in this yeah, conundrum yeah. where I've, I've submitted to the journals that I read and right. I don't really want to start resubmitting to those journals because I want to be mindful of the space I take up. But then there's, there's sort of like the whole who cares. Like right now, I'm just trying to generate work and figure out what I'm supposed to do post book. So the broad answer to the question is, you know, my process is I write some stuff down as I'm falling asleep. I try to make sense of it. And if it works, I'd keep working on it. And that might be two days. That might be two years. And if it doesn't work, I probably won't know for two years. <laughs> 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 I'll probably spend two years wondering what's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> Start circling no. back to your notes app in like 2025 <laughs> and be like, oh my gosh. I, you know. just, I did I did send it to Barrel House because I think I got the last published with them in 2016. So I felt like that was sufficient time to submit to them again. And uh, But the two poems that they accepted, I had worked on so much. I was so baffled and disappointed in myself when I saw the versions that they'd accepted because those were the best versions and I was just overworking them and made them much worse. So yeah, that's well, part think, of the process too. I overworked. And I think that leads us right into the idea of the pitfalls. I mean, you've been at this a while. Mm. Um, so you've had, you know, you've seen your share of pitfalls and kind of stumbling blocks along the way. You know, we talked to a lot of people about the idea of like self-doubt or the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think have been your pitfalls along the way? How did you get around those? I mean, so... For those who don't know, I graduated from MFA in 2008, and I published a chapbook with Tom Lux's press uh, in 2009. And then I was in Best New Poets in 2010. And then for like seven years, I just sort of partied and got like <laughs> drunk. And so that some of that was... De- so you spent this time doing research. We'll call that, right, we'll call that research. Right, right. I wrote a really great Why I Needed to Leave New York essay. Uh, <laughs> and then basically, literally, like, I just pretty much left New York. And, you know, after leaving New York, I had my daughter. And I sort of... That definitely changes how you look at things. I can talk about that in later. With regards to pitfalls, I think I wasn't focused on doing anything, but trying to forget a lot of the things that the book is about and then I later mm-hmm. wrote about and that that aspect of avoidance I think was 
a very warped form of self-care. And I definitely Mm. think that one of the biggest pitfalls writers have is this sort of not needing to prioritize mental well-being, not thinking about what it is you're doing and the ways that you're doing it and how it's supporting your greater health. I think there's like a cliche of the suffering writer, the suffering artist is the true artist. And that's just a load of bull. Like you you have to take care of yourself and you, you typically generate your best work. I feel like fine when you're healthy. So being mindful of burnout and recognizing your, your signs of burning out, I think is a huge pitfall that I'm very lucky to have incidentally gotten a job where um, burnout is a big topic among everyone we work for and work with. And it's made me more mindful and a better writer as a result. Nice. So that's it. Yeah. And yeah, the whole mantra of write every day and stuff, I just feel like it just feels really moralistic. Like there's like a good way to be a writer. And like, I just, I think if you're bringing morals to your writing, if you're bringing some sort of like ethic that has no investment in how you feel, mm-hmm. then it's probably not a good ethic. And it ends up probably being punitive or you know, worse, mm. Protestant. <laughs> just, just maybe even also capitalistic too. Like right. you must, you must, you must earn the value. You yes. must earn your worth. I and totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not, it just, that has nothing to do with beauty. And, you know, I feel like poetry is supposed to be the least failed language, right? Like all language ultimately, because it's some form of abstraction and communication between two parties can't ever fully understand each other is a form of failure. But I do think poetry is the, supposed to be the least failed version of that. And if your ethics and your process has no investment in that, it's probably not worth it. It's probably harming you too. I agree with that completely. Yeah. So then to start uh, wrapping things up, what are you most excited about right now in the world of poetry and literature? What just kind of, what gets you going for it? And what do we expect from you coming up as well? Well, I mean, like I talked about before, I think there's a lot of great poets and poetry being written right now. I think there's a way of writing now that wasn't common 10, 15 years ago with a lot of just like, I don't know the right word for it, but I want to say velocity, a lot of just really great images and very dexterous and jammits and movements and poems and lines that I think is very fun. And there's just a lot of innovation, I think, happening as a result. So I think that's very exciting. I'm also very curious to see what happens with poetry post-pandemic assuming there's ever a post-pandemic. Right. But, oh, sorry. I just I just feel like, you know, there's an emotional intelligence and interiority that there is a poetics that can't address that. And I don't think it's been fully realized yet, but I hope that it's coming. Because certainly a lot of the ways that I metabolize and understand the world around me is through the poetry that I read. Yeah. And I feel like there's this sort of current taboo where because we're in it, it's too soon to really write about it. Right. But... I think obviously we've been in it so long that we have to maybe start. I really want to read those poems because I really want to be on those bridges connecting myself and my experiences to other people. And I want to yeah. see what they're doing. And in that regard, I guess technically I'm working on a manuscript about being a father in the pandemic and about working full time during the pandemic and about being a new dad again, because we, we just had our son. So I think there's a manuscript there. I don't know if it's a chapbook yet. I don't know if it's going right. to be broader work. I don't know if this is a thing I'm doing to survive. Like, I don't know <laughs> if this is just a life raft. So I would just ask that no one have any expectations. Of right now. <laughs> that would be a great favor for me. But yeah, in the interim, I'm just sort of just trying to figure it out. You know, my book only came out last year, so no rush. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's great. People should check out Ways We Vanish. It is a fantastic book. And I think, you know, you kind of summed it up well, that that idea of relationships and then, you know, the idea of losing one and having another and trying to figure out where where you can kind of mesh everything and what actually fits part into part. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to seeing what comes next eventually, but I have no expectations that you'll be doing anything <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, All right. And yeah, feel free to DM me any mess anytime. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so very much. Todd. Thanks for hanging out on TPQ 20 and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to TPQ 20. Please like, review, and subscribe.